Hey, 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 what are you looking for under a tombstone in broad daylight? Shh. You'll scare her away. Scare her away? Who? What? What, what? what can you scare away here in a cemetery? My ghoul friend. She's the ghost in the invisible bikini. What are you putting me on? Herbie, I know you're broad-minded, but this is ridiculous. No, I'm serious. And you should see her since she traded her bedsheet for a bikini. Well, you must enjoy looking around for a real nothing broad. It's really just that American International is inviting everyone out to the graveyard for a blood-curdling blast with the ghost in the invisible bikini. That's to see right. Tommy Kirk, Deborah Wally, Aaron Kincaid, Harvey Lembeck and Jesse White with Nancy Sinatra, and guest stars Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, and Susan Hart in the ghost in the invisible bikini in path A color and Panavision. Now, you would have to get a commercial. Now, you scared her away. <laughs> wow. That was a commercial, a radio commercial for uh, Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. I can't remember what year that was. It's got to be like <laughs> mid to late 60s, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're here with Jeff Ritzman uh, to make up for the show we were going to have on Sunday. Do you want to tell anybody why you couldn't make the show on Sunday so, to, to, get, to garner um, uh, sympathy points? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't re- I don't really need them, but uh, yeah, we uh, we had a little mishap down at the brewery. Uh, it uh, <laughs> was a little wet out. It hadn't rained here in like a, a pretty good stretch, and so um, uh, my wife and I were going to the grocery store, and uh, I slid off the road because somebody slammed their brakes in front of me. So I I went into a ditch and uh, and bent my front wheel, and, <laughs> and so I was a little indisposed. Okay, yeah, because I, I didn't know if it was anybody's business, so I just said, Jeff had a slight emergency, and it uh, everything's okay, just had to take yeah. care of it, and we'll he'll be back on Wednesday. Yeah. So It's not it's not nearly as dramatic as it sounds, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just an inconvenience more than anything else. Right. Well, when you got home, I hope you got plastered or something. Uh, I don't get plastered. I just, you know, I just stomp around and get angry about, about oh, having okay. to fix the truck. So. Oh, okay. But, yeah, we're all we're all good. Last time I was in any kind of um, serious wreck, somebody I, I was sitting still and somebody hit me going like 30 miles an hour. Oh, God. Um, I rolled for two blocks before I realized what happened and, and pulled over to the right side of the road. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah, it is. Uh, my glasses came off. Uh, and yeah. They ended up in the back of the car. Oh, jeez. Like in, in the hatchback, they were all the way in the back. Um, I drove home in a daze, and when I got home, I was shaking. And for just this reason, I have, um, uh, what are those called? Uh, not codeine, I guess. Anyway, it was a, it was a light opioid, um, f- uh, f- oh, yeah. Yeah. P- uh, 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 prescription medicine that we just keep around that was, you know, f- prescribed for something else years right. ago. And for just such a thing like this, and within about an hour, I stopped shaking and I was like, okay. And the funny thing is, I didn't feel stoned or high or anything. I just felt normal. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. When when you need medicine, that's how it makes you feel. You know? Yeah. And if it I tried I've tried taking it when I'm just normal and it just makes me feel sick. It makes me yeah. feel nauseous because nauseous, it's, yeah. Yeah. O- opioids sometimes it, I guess if you're not used to them, all they do is make you feel like throwing up. Indeed. So at least that's the effect it has on me. Except codeine cough syrup seemed to have a wonderful effect on me when I had a horrible <laughs> cough for like a, I, there was a there was a um 
uh, warning label on it, and I covered it over with with something that said "warning may cause feelings of of uh, in, incredible happiness and 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 uh, euphoria." Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and just yeah, not giving a shit basically. And, and right. So I can see the I can totally see the um, attraction of opiates. Um, <laughs> yeah. When they're working right, so who knows? Anyway, I'm glad you're okay. Oh, thanks. What? Uh, which I had Erica on earlier, and instead of playing the opening uh, music, she wanted me to play Why Do People Have to Fight by Hervé Villachez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Erica. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, do you, would you like me to play the normal um, intro? I've got the original. I've got the normal, uh, the, the uh, anti-ETH intro, and the, the one with the cowboys from the old uh, um, uh, Lone Ranger uh thing saying it's great oh, how about how about the cowboys okay you haven't heard that one yeah oh okay here we go it's it's just right it's the only difference is right at the beginning here uh <laughs> it's Radio mysterio so here for the second time today on october 11th wednesday um d-day x-day uh day of reckoning for uh tom DeLong. so we'll talk about that a little bit hey who what get your hands up there where you are don't move don't reach for them guns take it easy you galoots put away the hardware and relax <laughs> It's Greg. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. So weird having uh, perfect control of the uh, the output here. I actually went through and and finally labeled my uh, my uh, control board. Ah. What an idiot. I've had the running this? this thing for a year without any labels. I was like, I think it's that one. So I would never know what I had potted up until I, you know. Yeah, it helps. It, yeah. it helps a lot. I mean, it, I've been <laughs> yeah. I've been in post and in, in, you know, technical stuff for so long. I don't know why I didn't think to just label the stupid thing. Yeah. So, yeah, Funny. mic, Skype input, mic, uh, computer input, and output to NiceCast uh, and my recording output. I used to have problems with levels on the recordings. Like, oh, why don't I just send the monitor out to the recorder and then be able to actually control the level of the <laughs> recorder? God, what an idiot. Right. <laughs> anyway, I, I should have known these things. Um, so how are you today besides a sore neck? I'm all right. Did you watch right. that thing this morning? I did. Uh, 
What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. It's kind yeah. of incumbent on, I guess, anybody that's uh, listening to this stuff and kind of into it, if, to whether no matter what you think of it, to um, keep up on stuff. And this is kind of a, I don't know if it's a game changer, but it's certainly high profile. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say about it. I mean... Um, Ooh, I have plenty to say. I... <laughs> uh, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. Like parts of it to me sound really interesting. I mean, at least one the parts uh, where they talk about that they want to kind of delve into consciousness and these sorts of things. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm down with that. I think that's a, I think that's a brilliant place to be. Uh, where they lose me is kind of like you know the aeronautics and and all of that because I just I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, no, I, I, don't. I totally understand. I, just, I don't care. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to garner anything um, uh, of that. Um, besides what I think John Alexander told me uh, during an interview with him uh, some years ago now uh, down in D.C. I interviewed him, and um, we were talking about disclosure and all this sorts of stuff, which was the topic at the time, and. And uh, and he said, you know, people don't understand. It's already happened. It, it, you know, there there's um, strangely it, enough, it, Grant Cameron said the same thing from his. Yeah, program. it's it's kind of already out there, and people have already said it's real, and so there is no top down disclosure, uh, et cetera, and so on. And I I said, well, I think what people are waiting for is some grandiose announcement, you know, a, an official acknowledgement from the White House, that sort of thing. Yeah. And he said, well, it's unnecessary. And, and he said, frankly, they got bigger things to worry about. And I agree with that. And he said um, – Especially now. Uh, yeah, and I said, I said, well, you know, the notion is, is that uh, – or at least the, the common uh, school of thought from the Stanford Friedman School is, you know, that uh, whoever would get a hold of this technology, it makes excellent weapons delivery systems and this, that, and the other. And he kind of scoffed at that. He says, weapons delivery systems. He said, we got plenty of that. He said what they're really interested in is the power source and how these things come into, you know, come into the reality that we that we are currently in. And he said, you know, the the notion of it's a lot of power contained in a small space in a small area. And he says, that's what I think that they're interested in more than anything else. Yes. Um, And so and I'm okay. I get that. So I'm I kind of understand the notion of. um studying what could be or what seems to be intelligent plasma um, things floating around the sky, that sort of thing for, you know, power purposes. Right. But as far as like aeronautics and all that, like, I think you'd have to do a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of boiling down to homogenize it into something that you might be able to use. But then again, I'm not in aeronautics. So what do I know? Um, I just, I just, when I I hear that, I think people are going after flying saucers to reverse engineer them. And I think that's just ridiculous. So, oh, are we, are we we venturing into Otis T car territory? Does that, (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) You know, I just, you know, it's just for me, that doesn't, I don't care. Right. So I understand. I, um, yeah, I, the the thing that intrigued me right off the bat is every single person on that board has a has an intelligence background some some of them right down the middle of the intelligence background and the right. two things two of them are he said these guys just resigned their positions in the government like right. you know a few days ago well right. i guess they don't want a conflict of interest interest but the thing is they mentioned nothing about that part of it 
They they're right. total, totally open. Like these guys are this guy was in the CIA. That Hal Putoff was involved with the CIA. To, you know, doing uh, various things, including the remote viewing program. Um, who's that other guy? The guy with the Hispanic name. He just retired from some security and intelligence position. It's kind of like you know that there's a there's like a huge huge elephant in the room here with the intelligence thing, and they really haven't said anything about it. All it is is the um, uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences thing. You know what uh, Miguel right. um, Red Pill pointed out to me? The um, the uh, the uh, acronym is TTS to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science AAS. It looks like tits and ass. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'll leave it to Miguel, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. Hey. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean the thing that that uh, I mean you talk about the elephant in the room. It's always going to be to me whenever you start talking about, and I don't really even get into the whole cover up and all that stuff uh, anymore. It's um, right, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like I've said, I've said this to, to Rich Dolan, I've said it to um, God. I mean, I can't tell you how many people uh, over the years I've said, you know, if if this is the the cover up is then you know I'm not saying that there is one, but the way that it's presented to us in this field is that. These people lie to us. Uh, they withhold things from us. They withhold information from us. They don't want us to know, for whatever reason, probably to maintain their own power, etc., and so on. And uh, they have aggressively defended this lie for decades on end. But yet, when somebody you know comes out to Rich Dolan and says, "I'm a contact from this, and you can vet me out, and I'm going to tell you what's going on." It's just assumed that this person is telling the truth. Um, you know, this seems to be like just the thing to do. Like I've got this inside contact, you know, out of the mouth of the guy who says they lie to us endlessly and they right. keep this hidden from us. And yet we're going to believe the contact that like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Not even in fiction does that make sense to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's like, OK, so you were some kind of high level intelligence officer. Great. What, what do you know? What do you know now? <laughs> you know, uh, before you even get started, what do you know? And, uh, and you don't hear them say these things. You don't, you know, all, all one of them said today was, I can tell you that this is real, you know, well, what's real. What are you talking about? What are you referring to? What's real? That there is, is a phenomena? Yeah. You know, I, yes, exactly there is a phenomena. Every, yeah. Whatever, you know? actually, actually, exactly what everybody is thinking he's saying is why he said that. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, so what are you talking about specifically? Yeah. Um, and, and there's just it's this wide open definition and all that. But, hey, you know, to me, it seems like um, it seems like a vanity project to me. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if they accomplish something, that that's great, you know. And but uh, uh, I I think that this little group or org is going to be like just about every other org and group out there that they just they won't last very long, and um, and probably won't get a whole lot accomplished. It just seems to be the way this works. And if they're going to delve into the areas that they claim they're going to delve into then they're going to be subject to the rules that I've talked about with you before, <laughs> you know, rules, yeah. the, the guidelines, the effects, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So actually that was, nobody's immune. Yeah. That was in my question bank here. 
You know, yeah. what, what about these group dyma- n- dynamics? I think we talked about this before. I don't know if we've talked about it on my show. Probably uh-huh. because, you know, it's, it's an important part of the equation about people studying this stuff. How do you think this might um, impact the, the um, tits and ass company? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think, I think it's, um, I mean, first of all, just look at it on its face. Um, the, the, the pretense here is that Tom DeLong, uh, you know, rock star, uh, is going to do, or is going to accomplish what, you know, people with alphabet soup out the back of their name a mile long haven't been able to do. Um, so immediately it, those people you know, immediately it's, you know, it, it takes on this marginal flavor to me, mm-hmm. um, right from the get go. So it's, you know, I think that he is, despite his, you know, he's obviously a smart guy. He's no dummy. Uh, uh, at least in, you know, in being able to speak and being able to put a point across and being able to, if he did in fact, gather all these people together, he certainly did that. Uh, so I don't think he's a stupid person. I don't think, you know, like I see a lot of people saying he's a, he's such a dumbass. and no, no, he's, he's, uh, not a, not a, not a dumbass, but, uh, yeah, these people I think he's deal with a dumbass. Well, I think he's a little, I think he's naive. Right. Um, and I think that's only because, um, uh, and I don't say that musicians aren't smart. They're some of the smartest people around, but, um, I think he's a naive about how this sort of thing plays out. Um, I think that he, I mean, if I had to hedge a bet, I'd say he might be the one that, uh, the rest of the group kind of looks sideways at when he says certain things in public. Um, that could be a prediction. Um, and again, it's one of those things where the, the more accomplished that someone is, um, the more educated they are, the more prestige they have in their noted field. And I mean, certainly Tom is is uh, notable in the music music industry, uh, but the people who were on that panel today were also pretty uh, accomplished in their fields, and they're no joke uh, in what they did uh, for a living. Right. Uh, these are often the people that fall the hardest when it comes to confronting this stuff. Um, you know, I've written about that pretty extensively on the blog, and and uh, you guys can go go read that. It's uh, it's on there if you just skim through. Yeah, that's um, a numinous den if uh, people don't know. N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S. Right. Uh, and that's at blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where this is this has been known for a very long time. And uh, Walter Prince wrote about it in the 30s uh, in a book called The Enchanted Boundary, where it was, it was predominantly talking about skeptics, but it does kind of flow across the field. You know, the more accomplished people that come into this um, – the harder that they seem to, to go down when it comes to, I mean, we've all seen the people who come in and they're, they seem really sharp and they seem like they're really going to be movers and shakers. And before you know it, um, they just seem to fall apart. Like unexplainedly, they, nobody can seem to figure this out. Um, but this is like, it's just an effect. It's something that just happened, but it happens over and over again. So I think we can call that an effect of this stuff. And you think that'll happen to this group at some point? Probably not in the same dynamic you would see in a, in like a a group of like amateur ghost hunters. Well, who's a professional ghost hunter? But a group right. of ghost hunters right. or a, a small UFO group or whatever the hell. But Bigfoot hunter, hunters, any of these things, 
you have demonstrated, at least you know, pretty much to me that, and a lot of people in these groups that, that that's what happens. They tend to fall apart um, right. internally, uh, almost um, almost on a, a to a script. So, yeah, I think it's going to depend on with this with this group with Tom's group. I think it's going to depend on um, the level of involvement each person is going to have. Right. Uh, so if somebody gets this gets up and and in the morning and begins his day with this thing, um, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe spends a couple hours and then you know goes off to do what people do when they retire, you know, go antiquing with the wife or have lunch with friends or whatever, and then maybe spend a half hour at night. I don't think that that's all that bad. I think that's balanced. You know, if they if they go completely off the rails of routine, if they become obsessive with this, if they um, if, a, if, if a certain and here's going to be the interesting bit if a certain anomalous event occurs and they are first on the scene or they, they get to examine the thing um, the event in some detail uh, that can really ensnare somebody to become uh, very very involved very obsessed with the topic and Tom definitely strikes me as a guy who would be the anti-structural member uh, the most he would be the most anti-structural has the most ability to be that um, but he certainly as a musician as an artist uh, that's just what we are so I don't think it's that far as a push for him so uh, but again it, you have no idea how what level of involvement the rest of them have or, or how much time they're going to devote to this how they're going to treat it you know, I don't know. I don't know what their level of inquiry is into it either. How how into this are they? Or is this something that he presented to them and said, come, let's do this? And they just said, yeah, OK. I don't I, I don't know. I don't think the impetus came from him. No. OK. I really don't, because the the the, the amount of the, the amount and I don't know about caliber, but, you know, the, the, the names he has associated with it and the and what they've done to me, it sounds more like. Okay, we've got somebody here that will help us do this thing that we've kind of been thinking about for a while. Let's just develop this. Um, huh. And to me, you know, and I'm biased. I I mentioned this to Erica before. I mean, you w- one thing about this subject, well, about reality anyway, but especially the subject you bring to it what your what your psychological set is. Um, sure. And um, you know, I'm primed to look at it as a, an intel thing, just because that's the way I come to this thing. Right. Um, and to me, it's kind of like, you know, some people have been saying saying very simply it's Benowitz all over again. I say, I yeah. don't think it's not. It's not the same thing. Um, but there are elements of it because some of the same people are there, specifically oh, really? okay. Hal Putoff. Um, and that the, uh, the, the motivation seems to be, you know, the motivation that's publicly stated is probably, you know, 5% of the motivation. Um, I think there's so many things going on in the background of this. I mean, I read there's 56 pages, but there's a prospectus if you want to uh, throw in money to their uh, project. I mean, it's a IP, IPO. I mean, they actually are offering stock at five dollars a share and minimum of two hundred dollar buy-in. Um, and you know, it, the stock is not going to go anywhere. It's probably going to go in the toilet. That's that's not the point. Um, the the point is to sustain this long enough so that they can. Find out what they want to find out. I think people were in the, you know, people say the aviary was a big, no, you know, big government uh, secrecy. No, it wasn't. It was a bunch of people who had access to certain people, programs, and uh, 
uh, I guess, information, and they thought they could figure out the UFO subject by um, sure. exploiting those connections. And as far as I can tell, they didn't. They were never, you know, they were never able to figure out what the ultimate source of this thing is and get you know some hard answers. Because right. as you and I have talked about, I don't think there are any hard answers, and it's it's um, it's not something where you can say this is it and I and and tell people in a way that will be understandable and digestible and I don't know about acceptable, but right. yeah, I I don't think and I think these people know that they're not stupid. I think they know it in the same way that you and I know it. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, part of the part of the thing that I think they are getting right, and if this was the plan, I think it's a brilliant plan, is that we have all the scientists there uh, to do what they do in in these situations. They're going to do analysis, they're going to do data sets, and they're going to write synopsis of of results and all of this sort of thing. And what's interesting about this is that this is the science and arts group, and I like the inclusion of arts in there. Yeah. Not for the reason that I think they did it. I think the reason that they did it, <coughs> excuse me, is that uh, we. I mean, I think we can be honest and say that science really isn't that sexy of a topic. So when you uh, tell the UFO community that you've got this, uh, you know, this this material and you've done analysis on it, you give them the analysis papers. Um, uh, first of all, only hand people, handful of people are going to be able to read it. And the other half really aren't going to care because oh that's too much for me I'm out you know it's it's not it's no, they not compelling know, enough yeah they want to know the implication right and so I think what's brilliant about this this the tone of this presentation is the notion that there will be uh, the uh, what they called the entertainment wing of it uh, which that will be in my opinion should be the vehicle that facilitates disseminating that whatever they find out, uh, to, to spice it up, to make it interesting, uh, without diluting it or, um, uh, and without overstating it, you know? Um, I think any study that they would do on the outset would be, I mean, for the most part, just what Project Core was. Like, it's a, uh, it's a preliminary. I mean, if you call it a study, it's a preliminary, you know, run through to see what would we get were we to take this the next step further and do more? I mean, that's where you start from. You start by you know creating some kind of of a device that that you put out there that people interact with, and then it becomes like a thought machine where you get ideas of where to go from there. Um, so I'll be surprised if that if that art and entertainment wing isn't the one that disseminates the information that the scientists get, sexy it up a little bit, put it in a pretty bow. Uh, with a box or box with a bow and, you know, and put that out there. So, yeah, um, I think that's brilliant, but I also think it's brilliant that, um, that the art is included because I think, as I've told you before, I think art and creative creativity and the creative process of, you know, externalizing the internal, I think that's all really important to this phenomena, to it being here and being perceived uh, so I think that could be a really interesting wrinkle that maybe they haven't thought about, or maybe they have. And I, I just, think they know. have. I, I think it was very, I don't know if explicitly stated, but it was very strongly in the subtext of um, we're going to use this, we're going to use what we find to be presented in, in certain ways to people in creative ways that can get this information out. Right. And, you know, and that's fine. I, I don't take this extreme... 
suspicion angle that most people have. I do have suspicion. But uh-huh. um, as I said earlier, you know, a couple hours ago with Erica, it's like I don't – I'm trying to cultivate this Zen thing where I just say, look, I'm going to look at what happens. I'm going to take it all in. I'm not going to make some sort of emotional decision about it right. and see where that takes me. Um, and I don't – you know, I don't – I don't condemn them. I don't, I don't, and I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's the best thing since sliced bread. I do not. I think right, it's yeah. interesting and the imp- implications might be interesting. And yeah. other than that, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm perfectly content to sit back and see what they do. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I, I don't have any wherewithal because I can't to get in their right. way. And, you know, I'm, unless they do something really stupid, but I don't <laughs> think they, I don't think they will. And also, you know, I think some of these people in there, just like you and me, at their level, have have um, questions about this, and they're hoping that, you know, if they, you know, do this one more thing, because uh, a lot of these guys are a little bit older, do this one more thing for the next few years, maybe they can get some personal answers out of it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I like I said, I, and I don't condemn them either. I just, you know, I'm not. I don't think I'm overly excited about it, and yeah. I think a lot of people are. Uh. Because there's a lot of PhD titles attached to it, and, um, and 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 again, I'm not saying that that's a liability by any stretch. It's a, it's an asset to have that kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I only have to point out that it's not it it to me it doesn't make it um, it doesn't give it a lot more weight until I see what those people actually do. And because I you know when you look at a group like the free group that's out there right now that's been widely publicized and um, you know, and they've got a, a pretty extensive uh, questionnaire that they've got floating around out there that people are answering. Um, there are a lot of PhDs involved in that group. And when you read that questionnaire, I defy anybody to read that questionnaire and not come away saying um, that they're essentially, you know, setting themselves up to find exactly what they want to find. <laughs> and I don't think right. science is supposed to do that as far as I know. It's and, not supposed uh, to, but it it tends to go that way because right. people want. You know, we talked about uh, earlier. Uh, uh, I've talked about this with other people, and I think with Erica, I talked about it. Um, Bigelow paid for what he wanted to hear, and if he didn't, if you told him what he didn't want to hear, he pro- uh, It's as far as I can tell, he would just say, "Well, I don't need to know that because it's disconfirming." He wanted confirming right. evidence, not that the right. confirming evidence was wrong. Right. But you have to realize that somebody's paying for what they want to hear, not for what they don't want to hear. And this is a lot of way, in a lot of ways how well, not just science, but how the human mind operates. Right, right, right. I mean, I find it interesting that Bigelow um, is so kind of hung up on the um, on, on the the ET factor um, right. when you know this is the guy that funded the the NIDS program at, at Skinwalker Ranch, and you know when you talk to John Alexander. I mean, you say, well, what, what, what? In the end, what did you think? And what, he's like, well, when you boil everything down and you look at what you walk away with, it's the trickster. I mean, this was his, I mean, his exact words, I think. Yeah. And I think those words are actually out there on YouTube somewhere. And I don't know how anybody can can you know not know or not study more about what that means, considering how dramatic that that case was and how interesting that it was. Um, and how biz- utterly, utterly bizarre that it was. And right. again, it's a case that's talked about, but it's only talked about like in the really most superficial ways. It's not – you don't get a sense of uh, – I don't believe the extraordinary weirdness um, that comes out of that. Uh, well, how, get, not, you know, not, only, not, only, 
not only of the phenomena itself, but the effects on the people that were there and their bewilderment at what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, there's some highly, highly bizarre stuff going on there. Self-negating stuff, really. Um, yeah, well, you know what? I've got an example which kind of amazed me. What's your example? Like, just one example of what happened there where you can't just stick it in a book and say, this. you know, this is what it is. Because that's exactly uh, what it sounds like it was. You 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 can't really pick up on what was going there unless you were goddamn well there. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think, I think I go back to John. What John told me, which was, you know, they had that pole set up with one camera on one pole and one camera on another, and they're looking at each other. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, it, it goes out. And there, this was wire that was taped, duct taped up the side of this pole wrapped i mean he said it was wrapped with duct tape to secure it and um when they went out there wasn't a hint of duct tape there was not a hint of any adhesive from the duct tape and the wires were literally snipped and this was uh in in close proximity with other people who were there and would have seen or heard something um you know my wife said something to me the other night as we were out with the dogs in the backyard in the dark uh (laughs) we were talking about some of this stuff and and uh she she tends to like not say a lot about it but when she has something to say about it she really she really drives the nail head yeah you better listen. into the wood you know and she says uh you know people often don't realize just how subtle this thing can be but it makes it no less startling right me. so uh, it's it, something like that people will might look at that situation with the pole and the tape and go, well, so what? Well, so what? You know, it's, it's, this tape has been out there baking in the sun, uh, and then experiencing the cold of night and cold and hot, uh, on adhesive means extreme stickiness. Uh, that's what makes your vinyl letters on a truck stick to the truck so well as the change in temperature from night to day and then yes. sun beating on it and then going yeah, into these cold advanced burn. adhesives that just i mean there's no this way is what to, they do yeah remove them without having some residual residue exactly and uh and, and so there was no way for anybody to get up on this pole to cut the wires uh they didn't see anything one camera didn't see anything it didn't see anything and yet it happened um uh, and so i think that's pretty astounding and then when you, you know, when you talk about all the other bizarre things like, you know, the big wolf, uh, the the you know this ginormous, you know, dare I say, twilight wolf, you know, that's just what it's uh, it's it, it, it not only it's strange credulity to the whole story, but you know, at the same time that it does that, you talk to Ted Phillips over at Marley Woods, and they've seen the same thing there, right. So what do you do with that? Uh, so you've got bizarre animals. You've got um, you've got spots of light mm-hmm. where they're seeing another horizon inside this light. That it's not our horizon; it's another environment inside of this light. What is that? You know what? You know that speaks to like portal and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, kind of stuff just, that sounds like crazy talk to most people. Well, yeah, and it's all over the place. You know, it's all over the place. And, um, you know, and I'm sure that we will probably never hear about it. But I'm I'm reasonably sure that at least some of that NIDS team at one time or another, and I never asked John this, but if I ever speak to him again, I will. I'm sure 
or I would feel confident betting that at some point somebody on that team may have acted in a way that was not not like them. Uh, yeah. that, uh, they, or they may not have acted when they should have and right. nobody could figure out why that sort of thing. This has been reported around UFO activity for years, Yeah, happened but to me nobody personally. talks about it, <laughs> you know, happened to me so, personally when I saw something and I said, that's interesting. Then I drove away. <laughs> right. I didn't drive right. a quarter mile in broad daylight to see what it was. Right. And this is after this was like right in the middle of writing for UFO Mystic. Why didn't I walk over there, drive over there five minutes away and see what that thing was? Less than five minutes. Right. (laughs) You know, my wife has said, again, a a brilliant thing. She says, it does something to you when you're in the proximity of this thing, whatever it is, whatever it represents. There's something that's done to you that is not a pacification. It's not a. Uh, a sedation effect. It's not that. It's a. It, it's a. It's either a carefree conclusion or it's confusion. Uh, and the confusion <laughs> is easily. To, it's easy to dismiss. It's easy to let the confusion roll past you. Um, and so, uh, and that's happened to me on more than one occasion where I thought I don't know what that is, but I knew exactly what that was by, you know, by the time it was over. But during, I was confused about what I was seeing, and uh, you know, and and yet, ten seconds after it's all over, uh, you, you know, you're saying, "How did I not know what that was?" <laughs> uh, it's just it's it's incredibly strange. I mean, that's just, but that's a, an effect that happens. I mean, not everybody uh, experiences missing time. Some people, it's just it's confusion. And it's a, it's a kind of like a, eh, that kind of, uh, of, uh, you know, just really passive, dismissive air about it that you stop yourself and you go, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then you throw the car in reverse and go back to see what that was. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, uh, I, th- I think probably a, a, more than a few people on the NIDS team may have experienced something like that. I will be, I would be. Almost more interested to read if everyone kept a journal or a diary of some kind, mm-hmm. a personal one that that talked about their experience looking at this stuff. I would way rather rather see that than I ever would whatever they saw or whatever they found. I would love to know what what did they think personally, what did they experience personally, mm-hmm. dreams, nighttime things, uh, you know, uh, going stuff to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. You know, going to and coming from what anything? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like anything followed you? That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, I don't. I don't think we'll ever. I had a discussion with some folks on Facebook today about this. I don't. I don't think we'll ever get a a top down answer to all of those kind of questions. Mm, I just not don't at think all. you will. Yeah. No. And it's and it's not like it's not like I'm. Uh, you know, you, you can't bang on Big Lay's door and say you demand this. I mean, he paid for it. It's his. So. Right, exactly. He, he we, have to under deal, no we have to swallow that. <laughs> yeah, he is under no obligation. Neither, exactly. for all their seeming uh, uh, honesty today with DeLong, are those people under any obligation to tell us what they what they found? Because it's a private Correct. company. Correct. Um, what I Actually, I said this earlier, and I, I will repeat it. Um, somebody on one of these... Uh, Facebook groups 
actually said, quoted a, some anonymous source, and it, I totally agree with this. He said, you must realize that um, uh, disclosure is the new cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, I think... Uh, oh, there's the sirens. There you go. I think that's I think that's a fair uh, that's a fair statement, you know. Um, Although you know, taking nothing as a um, as a, as a cor- not a, sorry, it's taking nothing as an absolute law, but that's that's certainly very heavily in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, if anybody has gone to an X conference, I think <clears throat> I think that if you kind of again, if you if you don't let yourself become absorbed in it, but rather that you stand back apart from your own interest and kind of just watch what happens and watch the way people talk and see the presentations and don't, don't become sucked in by them, but just watch them for what they are. Um, right. Which is not all that easy to do. I mean, it takes a while to kind of like lose your all of what they're trying to awe you with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the last one I went to, I think it was the last one I went to, um, you know, Steve Bassett, I mean, they, Jeremy stood up and asked the question. He said, I just want to know, there's all this, and this is a question we both were mulling over. Just Jeremy has you know, the balls to put his hand up and, and stand up and, and ask it. Um, he said, you know, with all of this diplomacy that everybody's talking about, all these pre-plans that everybody's got for, um, you know, the aliens and when they finally reveal themselves and all that, he said, how do any of us know or do any of you on the panel know uh, that for sure that this is an extraterrestrial thing. Like, I don't think we know that. And how can we have all this diplomacy and, and, and all of this layout for how we're going to deal with this when we don't even really know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and of course somebody in the audience immediately, cause I'll never forget this said, what are you here for? This is the kind <laughs> of duration that you get, that you get slapped for being somewhat inquisitive about what these people know. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think uh, uh, I think Bruce uh, Maccabee kind of answered. He said, "Well," and he was really honest about it. This is why I, you know, I love Bruce. He just said, "You know, um, if you're talking about extraterrestrials, I think that's the answer everybody can address and, and speak to in a certain way. But when it comes to other answers, such as multidimensional and 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 all other kinds of, he's like, I don't think a lot of people really know where to go with that. And I thought that's okay. That's a that's a fine answer. Yeah. Uh, but then Steve Bassett grabbed the mic and then proceeded to lecture everybody about how, you know, uh, he had a contact set up for him by, you know, with government scientists by this, you know, this military person. And he's very high up. And I mean, he went on to spin this thing about uh, all the ET interaction going on on planet Earth is happening in West Virginia. That's where it's all taking place. It is confirmed extraterrestrial. It is, you know, without a doubt. Yeah, it is confirmed. Con- and nobody said so. confirmed and, by who and how. No, you, because you can't get a word in edgewise. No. Um, but again, if you go to my blog and you read a certain post, that video is in there. I'm not talking out of school here. I have this. This is on video. No, no, <laughs> no I, I didn't say you were. I just, you know, and it's a uh, no, I just mean, I don't want people thinking I'm just putting words in the man's mouth. This is on video. And, uh, uh, and so you can go watch him say this and, you know, and again, this is a guy who, uh, at the end of the statement said, um, I could say more, but it wouldn't be appropriate. And I thought, I'm sorry, what, uh, you said that <laughs> what? Bassett, 
Oh, oh, oh I he see. said there's more he could tell us about this situation, about West Virginia and all of that stuff, about it wouldn't be appropriate, he said. And I thought, well, you're the disclosure guy. Like, and you're, <laughs> you're not disclosing. Like, what is that? And, and how is not everybody rising up from their, their metal chairs to say, you know, what the hell are you talking about? Um, you know, so again, you can watch this whole thing. Go to, go to my blog and check it out. I'll, I'll try and find the post before the show's over and tell you which one it is. But there's video of this. I mean, you can watch this. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's, it's contiguous. It's not taken out of uh, uh, yeah, it's a, not, in the he, editing room. Yeah, nobody's edited him to say things, something he wasn't saying. No, no, no. Well, I was present for this. I heard exactly what was said. But I had no idea there was video of it until I actually wrote that that piece for the blog. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's actual video of this. Yeah, so, so you can, you can you know, uh, check against whatever your memory might be. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I was pretty right to be incensed when I left, <laughs> uh, you know. And uh, so it's like the whole thing to me is like it's that's the kind of thing that you wind up getting uh, because that was like you know this is the guy who set up the the uh, the mock hearing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is you know somebody who makes it his business to do disclosure events, and you know I just thought well, you're the disclosure guy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, why can't what you is, disclose what's what is going that? On? What is, you know, who are you talking about? Who is this person? You know, like you, you would, I mean, this is what I say. It's like an adult version of Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, you know, yes. everybody's, everybody's into the game uh, until, you know, reality steps up and slaps you and says, I mean, I, I can tell you, like, in a scenario where somebody says, I have this contact and this contact told me, this amazing thing and I give you a little bit of it, but I can't tell you the rest. Well, I guarantee you that person could say that, that for years, but wait till the day when someone shows up to a conference with a badge and says, I'm sorry, you're placed under arrest for, you know, divulging secrets of national security. Um, then they will be real quick to say, I made it up. Uh, or, you know, I, I don't know anything. Yeah. Um, th- this is just how, it seems to work. I mean, but that's never happened to anyone really, as far as I know. Um, so what does that tell you again? We're told over and over that people who divulge these secrets, they wind up dead. Well, then how are half the researchers out there who claim these inside contacts, not dead? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the ones that just, are, you know, the guy from uh, England that died in Poland or whatever it was, he, the, the guy had did not have some great revelation. He was basically saying, as far as I can tell, the same thing that everybody else was, um, in in a, in right. a sort of slightly different way. I don't think um, what's his. Uh, I'm trying to think of like some UFO suicides. It's like um, uh, James Forrestal. Uh, uh-huh. I, I think Peter has uh, Robbins has a very detailed lecture on how that you know he might have known too much and been made to jump out the window. Um, but right, I haven't heard yeah. the other side where he's, you know, it's like, well, maybe he was just kind of mentally disturbed and freaked out or they gave him the wrong drugs or something. Right. You know, right. I, 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 mean, I do not know. And, um, what Jessup, I mean, he killed himself. MK Jessup killed himself, I think, but the guy was a, you know, kind of disturbed to begin with. So yeah. it's, you, you never get a, you know, you never, and, and you know, Phil Schneider, well, he was killed. It's like, you know, it was a suicide. It was supposed to look like a suicide, but it wasn't really. And strangely enough, somebody that should actually believe, well, you would think would believe some of this stuff, um, Gabe Valdez, 
the New Mexico State uh, Patrol, uh, State uh, Highway uh, Patrol. What is he? I can't remember. New Mexico State Police, I think, or was. Okay. Um, I asked him about Schneider, and he said, look, his girlfriend or wife wrote to me. I checked out a lot of the stuff she was telling me, and he said, and his background, and a lot of it didn't check out. He said, right. and he's somebody that you would think in the first, you know, he would want to be one of the first people that want to, want to you know, delve into this and find out what the real, you know, and be primed to, to believe some of these stories. But he said, look, I checked it out and the guy was kind of nuts. And, you know, it, I mean, so I, mean I, 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 I trust it's... the guy because he has he has access to all these um, to uh, law enforcement uh, records that a lot of people don't or did. He had, right. he had right. access. And again, it's it's uh, you find out that these these notions of people being murdered and uh, um, and even the notions of having uh, contacts within these clandestine realms, you you see it over and over again. Again, these are very marginal claims. They are very marginal situations. Again, you check with the state police, and what do they tell you? Something that is completely outside the scope or the sphere of what ufology holds to be true. Um, so it's, it is almost like a game in, in some sense, uh, playing itself out. And when reality seems to intrude on that, that's when not only the story falls apart, but the people themselves telling the account, they fall apart. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's probably best if you're approached by somebody who claims to be some deep Intel person to say, you know, well, <laughs> I'm really not interested in anything you have to say because I think you're probably going to lie to me anyway. Um, I, you know, I just yeah. I've always held that that notion, you know, like anybody that ever approached me, I was u- uber suspicious of what are they going to tell me? And am I going to believe it? <laughs> you know? I, w- uh, I, I am generally, too. But the, the, the title of my first chapter in um, uh, It Defies Language and this is something Bill Moore said, and I think a few other people, is you play the game or you get nothing. Um, right. If you choose to play that game, you're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to play this three-dimensional chess, I'm going to go through this maze, I'm going to do all these things, and nothing may happen. Um, I probably won't find anything out, but there's a really, really, really small chance that I might. Now, you're going to have to navigate incredible seas of BS to do that, but if you're willing to do that, and not take it too seriously. Um, some people are cut out for that kind of work. You know, right. um, I'm kind of cut out for it. I, I, people say, why do you talk to Richard Doty? He's such a liar. <laughs> because, one, he was interesting to talk to, just on the face of it. And two, every once in a while, he'd tell me something that checked out. Huh. You know, probably most of the stuff either I couldn't check out or you know things I knew were demonstrably false. But some of the stuff did check out. So it's hmm. like... You know, people are so scared of disinformation. It's like, well, disinformation has information in it. The right. problem is you have to figure out what, the, what that gold is. I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, unless you stick with it for a while and you don't let yourself be swayed by ego or whatever the hell. It's it's right. uh, it's 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 kind of a game worth playing. It's it's a game spies play constantly. That is their job. Their yeah. job is to listen to BS and try and pull the whatever you know truth is there out, out of it, and then and then lay on their own BS to cover up what they you know their interests. So that you know to me that's almost you know almost way more interesting than than, than UFO stuff. But 
just happens yeah. to be sometimes it has to do with the UFO subject, as in right. with DeLong, which is why I'm not sitting here and condemning them. It's like, well, I'd like to see what they have to say, what they're what they're going to do. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm I have this. Uh, I think other people should do this too. I have this fantasy that like you know, ten twenty people kick in and we just buy two hundred shares so we at least get a a line into what they're sending out just right. to see what they're saying. You know, right. I mean, I'm sure you could probably get it because shareholders will share the stuff, but. Right. It just might be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't I I think uh, you know just just kind of judging by by that I think he's uh, Tom DeLonge is, is is a little bit I don't know somewhat naive, which is probably a good way to be, or probably um, uh, if you're if you're doing a genuine search for for something and you don't know what you're looking for, I guess that's kind of. Uh, I guess it's kind of good to go with your eyes wide open and and uh, and glistening. Uh, but uh, <laughs> by that same by that same no, notion, um, I think that it's also like prime pouncing grounds for paranoia because mm-hmm. um, he's out there now. Like he's done this broadcast now, and he's aligned himself with these people. And yeah, and uh, and and who knows what they're saying to him um, in in the way of you know, like you need to control your paranoia. You you may see this, you may see that. Uh, and I think that I think that a lot of paranoia uh, comes from at least the people who get severely deep into this whole cover-up thing. I think where the paranoia tends to grip people uh, is that they don't know where the line is that they shouldn't cross. They don't understand where it is, and and who would? No, you would. Uh, and you and wouldn't. so at a certain point, when you have excuse me, when you have strange cars pulling up beside the house and sitting there for hours on end. Um, or you're hearing clicks on your phone, or you're hearing people talk on your phone that that are shouldn't be there. Um, you I, know, I had all that, that Jeff. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I, I think uh, I think anybody who's who's poked around long enough, uh, you get a certain amount of something. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know what any of that represents. We don't know that that's the government or whether that's private, uh, privately held concerns that are doing such things. I mean, we always assume it's the government. And I yeah, don't, I, I, I don't I know that know. it is, you know, I mean, uh, it's just, uh, uh, I don't know. To me, there's this, this line where it's very murky. You don't know where it is and you're not, you're kind of poking along and then, Oh, oh crap. What have I done? What have I done now? And then you're off to the races. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it, from that point forward, it's odds off you doing anything serious, uh, because you're just consumed by it. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a, a a terrifying place to be. I mean, I uh, I grew up uh, up across the street from a man who was in the Second World War and and uh, he had gotten some injection for something and uh, uh, and it, it it messed with his head. And he was an elderly man as it was. I mean, to tell you, every time a car would stop across the street, his wife would call up asking, you know you know who that is? And I'd say, yeah, it's my friend Bob or whoever. And uh, she told us, you know, he uh, he thought there were people trying to kill him. And, you know, I thought, how how horrible is it that none of that's true, that nobody is trying to kill him, but it's in your head and you can't escape what's in your own mind. No, uh, no, no. It takes a lot to escape, to escape to, that. Yeah. You have to create your own key to open that lock. It's not, not somebody else is going exactly. to give it to you. Um, exactly. I... I think I mentioned this in, in, in the book is that uh, um, the uh, 
I was I was interviewing Paul Krasner once. You know who that is? I don't know. Yeah, he used to publish. A, uh, he was one of the yippies, and he published basically a, a zine called The Realist um, in the 1960s. Uh, basically, it was it was uh, it was you know 60s radicalism, except done with humor and satire and and surrealism. Okay. Um, and he said, I asked him. And it actually wasn't an interview. We were just sitting in a hotel in in, in, a, in a, a restaurant in Palm Springs. Uh, went out there to visit him years ago, and I said I told him about my paranoia and my period, and he he said I had that too. You know, I was doing I was. Uh, researching the Kennedy assassination. He was like heavy into JFK assassination stuff in the late 60s. Um, and he said that he got to the point where he thought government people were following him around. At one point, he said he got so paranoid, he had like a bag of pot that he just got, and he hid it in a tree in, in, in uh, Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. And he said, and then he ran. And he came back later, and the pot was gone. He said, at that point, I realized, and there was a lot of like it was a lot of money he spent on. It. He said, I, at that point I realized I was probably getting a little bit too paranoid. <laughs> and I said, well, what made you stop? And he said, I just got tired of it. Yeah. And I said that that's exactly what happened to me. Actually, I, I told him what was happening and what made you stop. And I said, I got tired of it. And he said, it gets old, doesn't it? Yeah. And the thing that's the, the other- real world encroaching. That's what that is. That's the real world saying, look, Greg, you have things to do. God damn it. You've got a job. You've got to go to work. You don't have time for this. Like, I don't, you don't have the energy to expound on this anymore. Yeah. I just got tired of feeling scared all the time. And the other yeah. thing, and I, I've, I was speaking for in front of this, uh, in front of a college group here last, a uh, few months ago. And one person asked me, it's like, well, what, you know, what, what, what made you stop? What, what, how'd you get out of it? And I said, well, one, I was tired of it. And he goes, well, what happened, you know, when you, you know, stop being parroted? And I said, you know, nobody ever asked me that. What's really strange is 99% of it dropped away immediately after I stopped yeah. worrying about it. <laughs> right. Actually, right. probably 100% of it dropped away. I don't remember the exact, you know, timeline and all that. But as soon as I stopped worrying about it, it stopped. And these were things, you know, it's like somebody did open my mail. Yes, there were weird noises on the phone. Other people could hear them. It's not something I was just making up in my mind. Um, not, not does it ever, it. does it ever cross your mind that, that at least some of what you experienced during that period may not have come from, uh, a, a, uh, let's just say a human source. I mean, does that cross your mind that the phenomena itself may have, you know, plinked the phone or, uh, have made strange sounds in the night or, you know, yeah. like some of these things could have been manifestations of whatever this is do you ever think that's a possibility or no i do now i I mean to tell you the truth and i i don't i feel real stupid now but i never really thought in that way i thought you know some human agency was making weird noises on the phone or calling me you know and i I, after a while i stopped answering the phone because all i'd hear were buzzing noises or silence i was like i'm not going to pick up the phone because it's you know it's mind control noise Right, uh, and I would just let it ring, and the thing would goddamn well ring for like forty, fifty rings or more before it would stop. <laughs> yeah, and it would go on all day. Right, and I didn't have a uh-huh. phone answering machine, so it was really, really annoying. Strain. I used to. I took the phone and I put it. I put like a bunch of pillows and stuff on top of it, so I wouldn't have to right. listen to it. Right. Yeah. And then people yeah. would call me. He's like, "Why didn't you answer that?" I knew when people only let the phone ring like three or four times that it was actually my friends calling. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think... Uh, no, I never I ascribed it to anything paranormal. I thought it was just some yeah, human I, I agency. Think, 
I think what's really interesting about that whole that whole thing or that whole um, the paranoia, uh, the notion that someone's tapped the phone or followed you to work or that sort of thing. I think what's really interesting about that is that uh, or that or that paranoia exists in relation to, you know, paranormal pursuits, right. uh, you know, a- at all uh, is interesting to me because the the, the paranoid uh, or the delusion of paranoia uh, when that's kind of kind of set in uh, to the rest of the world, you are clearly uh, out of step. Yeah. And so then you're immediately marginalized for that alone. So it's like the first, it's like the baby step into being marginal. <laughs> uh, it's the baby step into Greg's really kind of lost his marbles a little bit. He's hearing things on the phone now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what people say about you. And yeah. so for you to then say, uh, I think I might've seen a flying saucer in the backyard yesterday. Well, Greg's also hearing things on the phone and seeing people following him to work and et cetera and so on. So, that just immediately makes you dismissible, you know. I mean, these are all things that you know. When you you had said uh, tonight that we were going to talk about this, you know, this notion of being able to interface with this stuff and how yes, do you do we it will. We've got an hour it, left. We'll do it. You know, it's <laughs> it's just like no, it's just like this is one of those things that I think it's like it's like if there was a tree to be drawn, and I don't think that I'm going to be the one to draw the tree, <laughs> but if there were a flow chart. You know, this would probably be one of those offshoots that this is how it may marginalize you in this way or it may marginalize you in another way. But either way, you're getting marginalized. Um, You're going to be experiencing things that may be just so completely out there for anybody not in your shoes. That's the important bit to remember. They're not in your shoes. Right. Exactly. Um, Their mind is not. You are no longer on the wavelength of the rest of the populace, Uh, you know. And and that uh, that's a very that's a very disconcerting thing. I yeah. mean, and uh, but it, I, I think I think that there is a definite purpose for that. I don't know. That's my guess. What would that be? As we segue into the uh, the, uh, the stated topic of this, uh, uh, yeah, interview. just to be uh, to 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 have the marginal aspect there. If someone is not naturally a marginal person, uh, how would how would oh, a phenomena self-negate yeah, itself? Yeah, to to move the person into that space to, to one, you know, as as a step, and two to maybe you know it's self-negating, recognize if you're worthy thing. It, I mean, it's on if you one, can it's, live it's, with that, maybe you can go ahead. It, well, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things where it, it's it's got a it's kind of, and this is why I'm not drawing the flowchart. Is because there are so many fingers that could come into that paranoia and yeah. and the the you know I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say the potential design of something like that or, or the possible flow of a of a situation like that uh, would not only be to make others not listen to what you have to say, which is the first thing, yeah, uh, but also to suck you into paying so much attention to the paranoia. And therefore, by proxy, paying a lot more attention to the phenomena, studying more about the phenomena. How do other people deal with this? It just pulls you deeper into the mist. And uh, and from there, you know, there be monsters. And uh, <laughs> and and that's just I, I think that's like that's a two pronged effect. But there are other effects that, you know, this it's also a separate. Nobody wants to be around a paranoid person. 
So no, it's no, isolating. It's a downer, man. You know, yeah, it's isolating. So now you're going to be isolated. You know, you may lose friends or you may lose acquaintances that don't want to deal with you because, you know, you're freaking them out, man. <laughs> you know, so there's that. There's, I mean, it's it's uh it's it's quite a lot of things that that accomplishes to the phenomena's. I'm going to say benefit. I, although if it's a benefit, I don't know. It may be just a desired after effect. It may be an unintentional effect. I, I honestly don't know. Um, so I'm not ascribing motive or anything like that. I'm just saying this is the way things tend to go. And what can we learn by what surrounds the, the progression of into the phenomena? And, uh, and I think that would, that seems to fit to me. I don't know. Yeah, it does because you, you, huh. You have to enter its space for a little bit, and most people don't want to enter. I mean, it goes back to the you know, um, some you, some researchers have to stand next to the volcano, um, right, right. You know, and and this volcano is is the you know that way there be monsters volcano, <laughs> right, you yeah. Know? So if okay, so you know the the stated um, uh, theme of the show was uh, about interfacing with the phenomena because. I read a few, you know, short bursts of um, posts you put up in the last couple of weeks, and you were saying uh, you were giving more hints about, you know, how do we interface with it, um, yeah, and I and how, you know, how is that important? How would it be done? What kind of effects would it have? You know, um, and you know, ba- basically, the next step after what we talked about last time you were on the show, which is, you know, go out to a quiet place. Do a little bit of meditation on it and do this um, uh, religiously uh, night after night. And um, you said something like 60% of the people you've told us to do to, to do this have actually come up with something. Yeah, I'd say around that, yeah. Um, and it actually hasn't been like a ton of people either who are willing to do that. Um, and I think the reason that I haven't, I haven't written it and I haven't published it yet uh, – is because, you know, I don't think it's something people should do. I really, really don't. Uh, and I'm not just saying that, like, for dramatic effect. Like, no. I really I really believe that. Um, and, and I should say that I don't necessarily think that it's, like, the roadmap to success. Uh, it's definitely what I have seen transpire in my life and in other people's lives that I've known, um, especially when I can step back from it. Uh, out of their experience and say, okay, I see, I see what's happening here and I see where this goes. Um, and here's how I believe that you might cease it if you're, if you don't want it. Um, that's really, I think where it started for me because, uh, somehow or other, somebody put my name and number in the back of some book, uh, about call this guy if you need, if you need support. Uh, I was like one of many numbers that were listed. Yeah. And I don't even know what book it was. Nobody ever told me what book it was. But I'd get calls like 3 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. And uh, and these people were you know, really upset about um, having alien, quote-unquote, alien experiences, but also being haunted, uh, you know, uh, all matter of weirdness. And, and, you know, when I would talk to these people about, well, what, you know, what is – and I knew nothing of – trickster theory i knew nothing of abstract concepts of this thing i knew nothing of this but i still asked the question excuse me i said what what is going on um you know in your life what do you what do you have going on what do you what do you do for a living 
what's your home life like? Have you moved recently? These are questions I just asked because they seem like they're questions to be asked. But I had no idea that they would later come into play with everything that I, I, I think that I know now. <laughs> and I, I emphasize I think I know. Um, but it's uh, uh, over and over it was phone calls saying, you know, I can't believe it because I laughed at you when you told me, but I've kind of ignored it. And I've kind of like I've taken up, you know, badminton or I've taken up bowling or whatever. Uh, playing one guy said he was playing billiards. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm going out every night to play billiards, but I'm so focused on my game. I've honestly not. I've it was a, a couple of weeks before I realized I hadn't had anything happen in two weeks. And uh, I ended up telling people just get involved in something else. You know, you have to div- to, to you shut to it div- off. Yeah, you have to divert your attention and stop poking it, um, and 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 see if that works. And I remember one woman was like adamant. She's like, "That's ridiculous! Like, I need to go get one of those lightning balls that they're selling up at Spencer's and put that <laughs> in my room because I hear that keeps aliens away." And I'm like, "Well, you can do that if you want." But but if I'm right, then you don't have to doing spend any that money. is just a constant reminder that there's aliens in the house. Yeah. And therefore, guess what? There will be possibly those things in the house. So, um, you know, I knew then that there was something way uh, weirder going on than than what the TV was saying and what books were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know I didn't know what that meant and for a while. um I mean, for a good while, for a good couple of years, I was pretty convinced of you know the D word, demons. I really thought that this was a distinct possibility. And um, well, um, why, why, why did you think it was demons? And then two, what pulled you off that idea uh, as the only one? Well, I went, uh, I went to, and this is a, this is kind of a a, a tricky. Um, thing to, to tell because there's a part of it that I could put out in, in the public and I probably will at some point, but I'm not going to yet. <laughs> um, okay, that's fine. But, um, and I'll tell you what that is when I get there. But, um, you know, I, I got really fed up, uh, really fed up um, because uh, for a number of years, uh, my, my life, my wife's life, our life together was a three ring circus of really bizarre stuff. And, um, uh, and we lost a lot of friends that didn't want to come over because they saw things they didn't, they didn't want to be around. And so it, it did isolate us. Um, and, uh, as, and as I said this before on, on the program that, uh, living that anti-structural lifestyle that I'd now recognize we were both very, very much doing that. Um, it, this is not good for relationships. And so my wife and I split for six months and I thought this is over. I thought this is completely over. And, um, and I remember, uh, at many times thinking to myself, just go home, just go home. What, what are you doing? Just go home. And yet something, and I can't really describe it other than to say that, uh, when you are, when you are really in, And I would say that was, I would say I was having things happen just about every day 
uh, it like maybe out of two day out of out of seven days a week, maybe two days would be devoid of anything weird. And it may be something subtle or it may be something that's like just outrageous. Um, but there was always something poking, even when I wasn't really thinking about Manifested it. Manifested as what? Like noises, things um, being moved, lights in the hallway? You know, uh, when she and I separated, I went to live in a house that my uncle owned that was not very far from uh, the event that Lisa and I experienced with the disc that I told talked about on the, I think the last time or the time before I was on this show. Um, so if you kind of scale back to that show and you listen to that, that would, this house was like, I don't know, I could drive there in two minutes. Uh, so why I thought that was a good place to go, I don't know. Um, but I went there and I, you know, I would go to bed at night and, um, and I was alone in the house. Um, and I would hear uh, people walking on the roof. Um, <laughs> You know, like boom, 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 and walking all over the roof, um, like human-sized footfalls. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, I would see, like, I would, uh, um, uh, you know, come out of the kitchen from getting a Pepsi, and I would go back to my room to watch TV, um, and uh, I would see something like literally run down the hallway that was like the color of silly putty, which it was a color I became very accustomed to knowing. Um, as this is kind of the color of these beings, whatever they are. Um, but moving at like a blur pace, I mean, fast. Um, and there were times where I couldn't lay my eyes directly on it would be peripheral. And there were times where I could look right at it and see it. Um, voices whispering in the house, uh, that was audible, not only to me, but to other people, my son, when he would come, uh, you know, a lot of people heard that um, over the years, but that was at my house, and that was at where I lived when when Lisa and I were apart. But um, uh, and I don't know how else to to describe it other than uh, uh, and of course there were UFO sightings pretty much galore during that period too. I mean, really weird stuff. Um, yeah. So and uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, but the the notion of uh, go home, you know, just stop. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that this is how I could stop. I didn't know that I could get out of this. I thought this is just the way it is, and now I'm dealing with it. And you know, why did I have to even venture down this path when I thought this is the right thing to do um, to to study this subject? And now I'll look where I am, you know, and. Um, uh, like I said, over and over, I said to myself, just go home. What are you doing? Uh, you know, you love her and you know, you know, you're not, this is not over. You got to go home. And the only thing that would come to me when I would think that would be, um, something along the lines of I'm too far gone to go home now. Uh, I'm too far out. I can't go backwards, but I did. <laughs> and, uh, and when I did, um, and when Lisa and I kind of reconciled our our uh, our issues, which there were no issues, huh. I mean, it was misery in the beginning, you know, at 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 the point of of separation. But then after we were apart, um, you know, it just it didn't make sense. Something didn't make sense about it. And uh, and yeah, we had some some uh, we had some money problems, and we had other. Um, 
you know, arguments and stuff that newlyweds just, that's what you go through as, as, as newlyweds, these things happen. And it is responsible for a lot of divorces. I know this, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I came home and, 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 uh, you know, and there's a there's a point I think in your life when you realize that that you cannot live with somebody without somebody else, and she was always that person to me. And the thought of not being with her was so brutal that I just said, "I this is something I don't care how far gone I am. I've gotta, I've gotta go home." And I did. And so once all that settled out, and and uh, and we regained the composure of our marriage, yeah. Um, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, I need to sit down and figure out what the hell just happened. And, um, and I, again, I was very driven about it. Um, I took out all the files that I had amassed over, I don't know what, somewhere around 10 to 12 years. And, uh, and I went through them and, uh, I started seeing, and I started calling people up that I had spoken to about a sighting or about an experience they'd had or, you know, I had a lot of people in a, in a, in a support group that I used to, I guess we, I guess Lee and I kind of facilitated it along with Maccabee and Exler, uh, at the time. Um, so I would call them and say, how you doing? You know, what's, what's going on? And, and over and over I would get answers like, uh, well, I got divorced or, um, you know, I lost my job and now, you know, I'm living in an apartment and, you know, John or Bob or, Karen or Kim left me or, you know, whatever you would hear the same thing. Um, I had a pastor who had a, a pretty hair raising sighting at one point and he, uh, had left the church, had left his, his, uh, stay at a church where he preached. And he was now like one of these people who would swear up and down that we were, uh, planted and seated here by aliens. And he was all into that. Uh, he had left his wife, um, uh, you know, it was just bad stuff, bad, life changing, bad stuff. And, um, and I just thought, wow, what is this? Like what, it's not only the, the breakup of the family unit. It's not only the breakup of routine and the jobs, the job losses were crazy. Um, I mean, people who I know one man in particular, I can remember. And these were people uh, that were that had had an experience and then had become kind of obsessed by it, like uh, like, uh, like yeah, like uh, Richard Dreyfus in in uh, uh, Close Encounters, which is a really <laughs> good example of what we're talking it, about. It kind of is, yeah, it kind of is. Um, yeah, I mean, these are people who um, some of their spouses I knew were supportive of them, and some of them I knew were not. Uh, and surprisingly enough, the ones who were not supportive of them turned out to be the ones that you know that that really they didn't split up but they weren't happy um but the ones who were supportive it seems like they were the ones that kind of fell apart um uh, i mean i knew i knew a man who had a really good job a really high paying job and he was working at a hardware store uh and i was like what happened and he's like, I, my own fault. I blew it, you know. Is you know, and he was just he was so obsessed with this that he began to miss work, call out sick, um, you know, started behaving strangely. Like, i.e., you know, people were, would call the the store and hang up, uh, or call where he worked and hang up rather, and he'd get freaked out about it and have to leave. And I mean, it just it, people don't realize when you get into that kind of point where it's more than a sighting. Okay, because a sighting can be yeah 
can be swallowed. Right. Uh, can be incorporated. But yeah, uh, when you some, get when something it gets closer. You, yeah. When it when it gets to be something that you can't incorporate, that's when it becomes a problem. And it, and it usually goes to an obsessive point. And so when I look at all these files, I'm thinking there's only one name that I could put to this that would fit evil, destructive, toxic, you know, and and, uh, you know, and then I I I began to look at uh at, at the visual stuff that I collected over, you know, the years of, uh, you know, cases that I had studied and some that I, um, couldn't figure out and other ones that were, I mean, somewhat, um, notable. And, uh, I started seeing common things like the number seven and 13 coming up a lot set 13, you know, spokes on a, on, on a craft or cause I wasn't into lights in the sky. Like, you know, when people would call me to do analysis of a photograph, cause that's what I do. Um, I would say how many windows does it have? Like I was not into lights in the sky even then. Yeah. Um, and so I, I looked at these things that has had some semblance of some kind of structure and I could almost count like a rib, a nine or rather seven ribs or 13 portholes or 13 dots or like I started seeing these numbers coming up and, um, and I just, I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't know quite what to do because I was due to give a lecture to a pretty big audience in DC the next week. And so I became incredibly torn on, do I say what I'm seeing here? Because I don't see anybody saying how toxic that this is. Do I say what I think and be thought a complete joke? Because I knew that the notion of saying it's evil or it's demonic or anything like that, this was like no one would ever listen to you again. That was a known thing back then. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I was miserable. Because I thought, how can I, how can I see this? How can I look at this and see this, and not say something? I am, I am lower than low if I don't point this out. But yeah, I, if you, I point you, it out, yeah, your honesty. But yeah, yeah, the I'm, honesty could kill I'm, you. I'm done. I mean, yeah. no one will ever listen to anything I have to say about this ever again. And I didn't know that I wanted that. Um. So, uh, the last friend that I had. And his girlfriend came over. Uh, our bedroom was quite a mess, so we shut the door. And um, they came over, and I explained to to him um, what was going on and what I had come to and what I had found out. And he said, I totally see what you're talking about. I think you're right. I think there is something incredibly negative about this, incredibly toxic about this. And... I don't know what to tell you, but I think you got to, I think you kind of got to say that. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go over. Like I could be literally booed off the, off the podium. You know, nobody wants that. I don't care who you are. Like nobody yeah. wants to be so uniformly rejected and, and be hollered at for that, you know? Yeah. And I'd seen some pretty, you know, some pretty hairy things in my day of going to conferences and whatnot. But, uh, I was still torn when they left and they left about three fifteen in the morning Ugh. and, uh, Lisa and I, uh, went to bed and woke up the next morning and, uh, she, the first words out of Lisa's mouth was, uh, 
did somebody come by last night after they left? Oh, wonderful. And I said, no, not that I know of. She goes, I feel like we had company after they left. Like somebody else stopped in. And I'm like, not that I know of. And I, I honestly, I did not, I didn't get that sense at all. Um, and so we were getting ready to go to the grocery store. Uh, and so I was putting on, I put, we got dressed and I put on my jacket and I'm looking at myself in this bureau that she used to have with these two mirrors on the back of it. And on the left hand side mirror, um, was, uh, I would say about, about 16 inches tall, uh, was this symbol that looked like it was scrawled into the mirror. And, uh, I called her into the room and I said, is this you? And she says, no. (laughs) And our son was too little to have done anything. And the door was locked to the bedroom the night before. So it couldn't have been our prior company. Um, but there was a symbol on the mirror. It was comprised of maybe like one, two, three, four, I'm going to say four pieces uh, although the one piece looked like one piece, but it was actually drawn in two separate pieces. And I, uh, scratched into the glass. It looked like it was scraped into the glass. Um, and what, um, uh, what I arrived at later after I took it off and I laid it down on the ground to look at it, uh, was that it was, uh, it looked like wax. It looked like, like, you know, uh, it was a waxy substance of some kind. Yeah. And, um, and for, you know, for that day, I just, I was puzzled as all get out. I, and I, I mean, I went, I went to the point where Lisa was yelling at me like, no, I did not do it. (laughs) You know, because I I asked her like over and over, I was like, are you sure you didn't do this? And she's like, yeah, I'm sure I didn't do this. And it was drawn in such a way not to give it away, but it was, it was drawn in such a way that it would be very hard to make it as perfect as it was freehand. Um, and so like it had been stenciled uh, or something. No, no, uh, just it had been freehand done, but it was a, with a very deft hand. Um, mm-hmm. cause I, I was in the sign business at the time and, uh, and I did hand lettering and all of that. And I knew what it took to, to, to stroke a line like that. And yeah. it wasn't easy. You and Howard. And Benger. so, right. And, <laughs> And so, uh, uh, I, I remember that some months before, uh, we had been at a MUFON meeting and Mario Pazzaglini had given a talk oh, and I bought his book Yeah, and I bought his book You're and the only other he, person I know he, that has it. He, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, I got the book and he had, uh, you know, he'd signed it for me and he put a number in it for me and he said, you know, let's chat sometime and all this. And I said, yeah. And I never, I didn't, I didn't even think about it, but I thought, oh, I've got to call him now. Yeah. People and don't so know I this. He him. was the alien writing uh, researcher, probably the only person that ever really made a, a specific study of, of uh, right. writing received or um, seen or whatever during a paranormal experience. Right. And, um, uh, and, and I don't, I don't even remember. Wasn't he a, a professor at Delaware University or something, or, or am he I wrong? He was about? a clinical psychologist in private practice. Okay. I interviewed okay. his brother and a friend of his once, and they said he had studied physics, and oh, okay. was actually running around D.C. in the '60s, 
in a suit um, working for government entities and getting deeper and deeper into that. And then he suddenly decided he wanted to be a psychologist and stopped that. Huh. huh. Okay. <laughs> well, I called him. Yeah. And I said, uh, I've had a very interesting thing happen. And he said, what's that? And I said, I've had something show up on my mirror overnight. And we didn't do it. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I said, can I send you a picture? Or there was no way to email anybody. I don't think there, there was email, but, it, you know, getting a picture onto the computer back then was not an easy deal. Yeah. And um, and so I, I drew it. And I drew it as perfect as I could draw it down to the last detail that I could manage. Um, and I faxed it to him. We had a fax machine and, uh, he said, uh, okay, let me, let me look at it and I'll call you uh, later on. And I said, okay, well, he called me like in an hour huh. and I didn't, I didn't expect that. Uh, and he said, well, um, I'll put it to you this way. I think <laughs> it's very interesting that it's been put on a mirror and not a wall or a headboard or into the floor, it's on a mirror. He says, so I think that's something that you should look into. I said, okay. And he says, uh, it appears to look like a form of angelic writing, because that was an example in his book. Oh, yeah, Uh, the the, uh, lines with the circles. Right, but it didn't look like that. Mm. (laughs) So I was like, all right. One of of the listeners wants to actually see it, but it looks like you'd rather keep it to your close to the vest still. I, I have since then. Only The only people who've seen it have been uh, Teokas and Ghost Horse and Colin Andrews. Ah. <laughs> and, of course, and, of course, Lee Townsend, who, um, you know, he saw it like that day. Like he came over that day and saw it. And so he's he's familiar with it. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I haven't shown it just for the simple sake that if somebody else shows it, <laughs> I want to be able to go, look, because I've got a copy of it in an right, envelope right. that's post-dated. <laughs> Uh, but it's never happened. It's mm-hmm. never, I've never seen it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mario said, um, he said, well, it, it's interesting in that the way it's put together. And I said, okay, meaning what? And he said, well, I've never seen it configured the way that this is. He says, so that's unusual too. And he said that to me, he said, just the way that it's put together, uh, it it he said it it infers to me that there is a sense of urgency. Yeah. And I said okay. And I said well, what does it mean? He goes well, that's I can't really answer that because it's not like I can translate it into English for you and say this is what it means. It doesn't work like that. And I said okay. Well, what do you glean from it? <laughs> you know. And he said well, I'll tell you what the gist of it is, and mm. and I'll put it into words, but you can. And you can take these words and 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 tell me if this means something for you. And I was like, okay. And he says, effectively, it's a challenge. And he says that it, it's sort of saying something along the lines of, now you know, do you have the courage to stand up for what you believe? <laughs> and I, he says, does that hold any water with you? Like, do you get something from that? And my yeah. feet went like cold. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I started crying and I said, yes. And he's like, what's going on? And I told him and he's like, well, I think you got your answer. Yeah. Um, and so I did indeed go to that conference and told a room full of people, including Dick Hall, um, that I believed that this was an inherently negative phenomena that had destructive effects on people. 
and that in the old days of yore they may have called this demonic and uh you know and um uh and i went through a whole lot of stuff that i i had kind of um looked at and and examined and i put some pictures on the walls and people were incredibly receptive to it <laughs> i couldn't believe i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it i mean um the only people who weren't receptive to it uh was the lady who organized it. <laughs> uh, she literally at the end of the talk um i said i said i'm I'm I, I, at the end. I said I, I want to thank everybody because I was terrified to come up here and say this today. Yeah. Uh, for fear that you know you guys would like literally boo me off the stage and throw stuff at me. And I said I I know this is probably going to be the last time I talk about this. So uh, I just want to thank you all for like hearing me out and for and for listening to what I had to say. Uh-huh. And I took the mirror with me. It was there at that at that 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 uh, presentation ah, excellent. and uh yeah i had it covered over with uh cellophane <laughs> and uh uh and at the end um i was swarmed with people and people asking questions and and uh, and, and and but at as this is happening the lady who organized it like became the apologist saying we know not everybody has these negative experiences and just not implying it's everyone. And I'm like, well, I sort of am. Yeah. But, <laughs> but so she was like trying to smooth it over because one couple that incidentally were sitting right in front of my wife, it was a pair of ladies, um, Lisa, not long after I got started, Lisa said they, the one woman set up and said, I don't have to listen to this. And she stormed out and the other one followed her. They Ooh, were the only I've had ones. that happen more than once. They were the only ones, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what amazed me was that um, I guess it's typical to um, for the people who, who spoke and maybe some of the attendees to like go get something to eat after it's all over. And so when it was all done, um, we went to this restaurant. And I'll for my whole life, I'll probably never forget this. And this is probably um, – uh, he would say this is, this is so ridiculous because where – we went after that was like, I'd never met Dick Hall in my life, but I'd seen him on TV <laughs> and, and I'd read his books. And, uh, so I knew who he was. And when I saw him in the back through, I'm like, Oh shit. Like really that he has to be here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and at the end we were all the speakers were sitting at this table in this restaurant and I got up to get Lisa a drink and as I'm walking to the bar, Dick Hall walks up to me, stops right in front of me, and he says, uh, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he looks at me for like what seemed like an eternity. <laughs> and he says, I just wanted to congratulate you on your talk. That took a lot of courage to do that. And uh-huh. I said, oh, well, thanks. And yeah. he said, I really – he looked at me, and he kind of raised his eyebrow. He says, I really got a lot out of that. And I was like, okay, well, that's great. He, he laughed, and he chuckled, and he said, okay, then, take care. I said, yeah, you too. And that was it. But I, again, I walked away from that thinking, did, did he think the same, same thing, but, but didn't say it? I mean, I don't, I don't think, I wouldn't think so, but. No, well, I, I think know. what he picked up on is, um, one, you were saying something different than what other people said. Two, you were saying something that probably other people had said, but didn't have the courage to say it publicly. And three, <laughs> the entire content of your talk entered into his assessment, not just that controversial part. Right. I guess. Yeah. And, um. And so, you know, I, I ended up calling him more than a few times in coming years until he passed away. But, um, 
that and that was pretty much for me uh, I would say for the most part uh, I still did did uh, hosting on AOL because I worked for sightings and, uh, and and periscope on there so I did that for a short while um, after that and uh, and you know, and this is all out of chronological order for the most part. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's bits that I'm that I miss. I mean, in in effect, I learned a lot of this stuff before um, my separation, temporary separation, and then really it drove it home after I came home and got myself together. Yeah. Um. So all of this stuff happened uh, in a very short period of time, and. Uh, and, you know, and from that point forward, I was just kind of done with it. I kind of walked away from it. And um, go ahead. I mean, we're, we're, we're down to 20 minutes and we haven't even discussed. Actually, what you're yeah. doing is giving me an hour and a half warning before <laughs> yeah. we <laughs> get yeah. to why you don't want to say this. But eventually you are going to write about this. This, um, you know, if you've got the cojones and you've, you want to risk your, your sanity in your life, maybe you can do some experiments like this. And that's actually what I wanted to get to before we, because you yeah, hinted so, at that in what you're, what you're writing at here. And you, uh, yeah. apparently you want to write a book about it, which is, um, I think is okay. another extremely brave thing to do, but, uh, can finish your thought and we'll get a little bit of the, uh, well, no, I mean, that's, that's essentially it. I mean, it, it didn't, uh, for me, um, it didn't come back around again until, um, I began again to kind of go online and just kind of like keep tabs on what was going on. Mm -hmm. And that evolved into, um, you know, and, and here's just should give you an idea how long ago this was. If you look at like when I was really hardcore, uh, debunking the Meyer case there, that was a lot, that was a long time ago. And so that's kind of how I got back into it was just kind of like, uh, I, I, I kind of thought, well, I could, I could easily disprove, uh, you know, certain cases or offer, um, you know, people to, to do some work for people here and there and that'll be okay. I'll be all right with that. Um, but I mean, you guys can Google, uh, the reason that I changed my mind about all that. All you need to do is look up Dorothy Izot, I Z A T T Dorothy first name. Um, and, uh, you know, and again, she, her documentary, if you see it, it's called Capturing the Light. It's uh, not talked about all that often case because it's not all that dramatic, although it's dramatic when you know what's actually uh, gone on there. Um, it's a very interesting case and something she said kind of, you know, kind of turned it around to me to say, hmm, maybe it's not the phenomena that's toxic. Uh, maybe it's us. Um and, or maybe it was me uh, that this thing was kind or, of yeah, mirrored. or a part of you that was was uh, emphasized. Correct. Yeah. So now I'm I'm back to thinking. You know, yes, there are inherently negative effects, but I don't know that that is necessarily intentional. Uh, so I don't see it as evil. I just see it as it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not a Sith, but it ain't no Jedi either. So <laughs> um, it's it's somewhere in the middle and, uh, but to mess with it is, uh, can be really detrimental to your overall well being. I guess is the best way to put it. 
Um, well, so if so, you, if you were going to mess with it, the first thing you, you, I really had to pull it out of you on the last show too. I said, "Look, we're all adults here, and we're not uh, re- we're not claiming responsibility for this. You can't blame us because it's not something. It's like, please don't do this." But it was go out somewhere every day, uh, every night, um, and uh, you know, meditate on why you're there, what you might want to see. And you said that people were getting results with this. Have you gone? I know you've gone further than that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, so yeah, you can do that. I mean, essentially you can go looking for it. Okay. So, um, but again, I'm just, I'm just saying this again, cause I don't want people emailing me and saying, you've destroyed my life. Here it is again. This can be severely detrimental to your well being. <laughs> you may lose your job, your wife, your house, your husband, <laughs> your children, I mean, this is, you know, it can be extremely precarious to, uh, to, to undertake something like this that you think you want, but you don't really know what you want. You don't really know what you're asking for when you say, I want this. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. If you're single and you're unattached and you live with your parents, like maybe go for it. I don't know. Um, but I'm not saying to do that. Um, to go out and look for it is is one thing that can put you in an anti-structural state. It can put you in a marginal state. Um, uh, it could be that you have better results going with another person, two of you, mm-hmm. which could be an interesting thing. Uh, alone, um, I don't know what the results would be alone because I never really went alone. Uh, I always went with someone else. Um uh, whether they be my wife or my research partner at the time, um, we always saw something until one night we didn't, <laughs> uh, and that was even a liminal event on all on its own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can go out to that rural place that may be somewhat. I don't. It shouldn't be so far that you're like I'm not doing that tonight. It, but it should be just far enough to be inconvenient. Yes, uh, I think that's a like, that could be important. Uh, but it's while you're there, it's not even meditating. It's more, um, it's more just looking up and and observing. Number one. Uh, but the other thing is uh, asking questions to the air, I guess. <laughs> Things like uh, uh, which you're also asking of yourself, actually. Yeah, I in a yeah. way. I, in a way, yeah, I, you, know, you could say things like, uh, I, I'll tell you what mine were. And these are, again, um, these are questions that only you know, you listening. Uh, you're the only one who will know what questions really matter to you. The questions I asked are, um, what is this all about? Uh, I bet you know what happens after we die. Uh, where are you right now? Uh, weird questions, right? Like, yeah, that's not normal questions to be asking, but these are the questions that come to mind for me. Um, and so you'll ask those questions and, and, and I would say if you do this every night, uh, and you read the books, you watch the programs, um, you look online you engage in topical discussions with other people, not arguments, 
No. That you're talking about it. Like the, the, the discussion we've had tonight. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, stuff that has meaning, not crap like, I think that's a hoax. Like that doesn't work. It's got to be something like theorizing about this stuff, mulling it over. Um, that's that's kind of uh, – Defocused conjuring. I guess – I mean, I guess. I don't know. Cause I'm, Those are both very bad words. I'm sorry I used them, but that's the first yeah. thing I thought of. No, in yeah. the context of what you're saying, it's, well, it's not really defocus. It is kind of focus. And conjuring is a horrible word. But I'm, I'm thinking of conjuring up Philip and the, you know, the stuff, that, the results they had with that. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's – uh, and, and I don't know how else to say this other than I had experiences from the time I was very little. And I had experienced something with my wife that was undeniable to us both. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, and I, and I don't – and this is going to sound like I'm being an elitist ass about it. But I'm, I swear to God that's not how I want to come off. When that happens, you know something. It's not a matter of is there something out there. You know that there's something there. Like, you know, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote <laughs> and, a big essay once about the difference between belief and knowing. And when you know that it's there, I don't know how else to say it, but that it's not belief. You know yeah. that you know that they can hear you. You know that it's watching. And you know it's watching because you're watching. So, you know, Lee used to say, when you stare into the abyss, it stares back. That's right. a good... That's a good way to put it, I guess, right? Uh-huh. So it's it's uh you must acknowledge this as real. It's not theory anymore. So I had that advantage. Now I don't know if anybody else will have that advantage. Uh I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen things, might suspect things, but you know, if you haven't had that undeniable thing happen, it's still gonna be a guess for you, kind of like that sort of thing. So I know a lot of people have had that undeniable thing. Right. That's who it might work better for. Um, but uh, in the end, uh, you have to obsess yourself. I mean, uh, nothing else can really take up as much time. Like you won't have time to have fun. Uh you know, if you're going to go with somebody and you're going to do it with somebody else, it better be somebody you like, um, <laughs> because you won't like them for long. Because uh, this is not good for relationships. This is not good. Like I would highly advise not to go with your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, or husband, um, your mother or father. Like, don't do that. Like, uh, because that will not last. I don't care how strong you think the relationship is; it won't survive. Um. It's just it's completely antithetical to that, um, and it's not it's uh, not an evil thing. It's it's just more like as you say, it's um, it's it anti-structural, and a, and a relationship yeah. is very structural. It, it and it's structured in routine. Yeah, you know, routine is a big thing, and this is also what it does for you is it puts you out of routine. I'm not saying you must go every night at the same time. I'm saying you must go every night, mm-hmm. and if you don't go. You need to go outside and look. That can be very interesting when you mm-hmm. realize, oh, this isn't confined to the rural area where I go every night. Yeah. Now it's over well, my you're house. Doing, you're doing work on yourself too. You're not just doing work. I mean, you're tuning. Yeah. 
you may yeah. only be tuning you, but it's from your point of view, it looks like you may be tuning whatever it is too to your uh, right to to come to you or whatever whatever model you want to use. And so I think in the end, um, you know, you can do this, but there are other things that you can do in tandem with this that excuse me that I didn't really do. Um, but but I'd be curious what would excuse me what would happen if you did uh, you know for example. Uh, what if you drew uh, an experience? What if you illustrated an experience? You don't have to be a good artist. You just have to draw it. Uh, you just have to create it uh, from nothing. And, and again, externalize the internal. Uh, will you see what you drew? Will you see some facsimile of what you drew? Or will you just see nothing? Or will you see something that looks nothing like what you expected? Um, I'd be very curious what that might happen. What hap- might happen with that? Um so there's things like that. But I think the notion that you are completely captivated by this subject, you are completely captivated by knowing that this is happening and very few people actually have seen this and had known this. Um, uh, the rarity of it has to fascinate you. Um, you know, this is like I, I always picture and I don't know why this mental picture comes to me, but I always picture like a disc. Uh, face down on the table with a bunch of lines coming out of it, you know, going, you know, at the edge of it, going towards the center and then a ring outside of that with some lines that are sporadic and then, and maybe like 50 other rings around that ring. And they're all kind of moving in different ways. And then at a certain point, all those lines converge and they line up and they go to straight to the apex. That's kind of how I picture this, how this thing works. So you've got to be in the right spot at the right time with the right marginal people and the right with the right level of obsession and creativity and ability to know that this will work, that this will happen, that you will see this. And um, and again, I'm not sure that you can do that without destroying the rest of your life. Right. So th- this is a th- this is a. Um a, I gave the people example of standing next to the volcano. You're you're consciously going and standing next to the volcano, knowing that a big glob of lava could hit you right in the head. Yeah, and it could be because I know, like I know that there's somebody listening out there that says I could handle this. You know, um, I don't care. I mean, I've seen I've seen very big dudes <laughs> like, <laughs> like cowering in a corner. You know, like uh, it, it's not. This is not, as I said before, suitable for coffee mugs and keychains. You know, this is like I want to die now type stuff. Like I can't live in this anymore. Um, You know, and unless you know how to how to turn that off, once it gets going, it terrifies you. And it's not what you expect. And then you find yourself like in not only in paranoia states, but also in. Um, uh, not being able to sleep and you see where this is going. So you're not able to sleep. So you can't do the job, right? So your boss gives yeah, you so shit and then yeah. he fires you yeah. and then you're out and then you're, you got new money and now you're living hand to mouth and now you're, you're scraping by working at seven 11, 11 to two. And you know, yeah, like, why, why did people it, used to basically feed the shaman and basically take care of him because exactly. his life was a living hell or hers. Exactly. And, and this is what you become and you become, 
oh, isn't it sorry what happened to Greg? You know, yeah. like that's who you will be. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you. So it's uh, uh, it's not a fun place to be. Uh, are there other ways to do it? I don't know. I don't even know if this will will work. I've never, you know, I've never given someone like A, B, C instructions. I just kind of like float this out there and I go, I don't think what you do can. you think? You know? I don't think you can either. I don't think there is a, you know, a, I, and I told Eric and I've talked on this show before about the crystal in my backyard and what I, what happened when I put it in my forehead and all that. Like I told Erica today, get one of your crystals. She says, you know, I, I said, get one of the crystals that you, that you got in house Island, put it in the garden, leave it there for a year, <laughs> leave it there for a year outside. You know what? And see what happens when you put it to your forehead in a year. You know, will anything happen? I have no idea. Um, but I mean, to me, I would like to see what happens when someone does that, but I'm not going to recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be responsible for that. And you said, uh, you know, the, the old, you know, the, we've got a few minutes left here, but you said if you do get caught in this, there is a chance out of it and that's to reintroduce mundanity and and um uh what's the word uh uh structure back into your life it's hard yeah you know because it's it, hard. it sounds like it starts to feed on itself and you get into the this obsessive thing where it, you know you have to crash and burn before you go oh wait a second i guess i better stop this uh yeah and you wonder if it if you can stop it yeah. um and i think that once uh uh and like i said i've had this in my life practically my whole life so you know, that could be the reason that it happens. And most of the people that I've talked to about this have had some weird stuff most of their life. Um, most of the people that I've talked to about this have been um, artists, either professional or amateur or musicians or, you know, whatever, uh, in some creative endeavor. You know, yeah, that was actually one of my um, questions. I think, a, you know, do you think a creative type is better to and I think it is. I mean, that, that's oh, yeah. that, that's you, you kind of have to be. You can't be a yeah. you know a, 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 a what an army sergeant or something unless you're a very creative army sergeant. But you know what I'm talking about. I think I think Jeff Kripal is is 100 percent right when he says that uh, the paranormal is a story waking up to its author. And I think you know mm-hmm. just by virtue of that people have written things that um, you know in fiction that have actually come to pass and. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, uh, and you Grant, start you uh, start Grant, to wonder uh, about stuff. Yeah, Grant Morrison. You know, I mean, even go back. You know, go back a hundred years with the Titanic and that story. Oh yeah, yeah, the, of course. Uh, and Jules so there's Verne all of that. Yeah, yeah, and so you've got all that, and you know, uh, so uh, that could be another interesting wrinkle. Like, what happens if you write an experience that you had, and what if you inject just some bizarre twist in it? Uh, how will that manifest out outwardly? I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't know if any of this will work, but, uh, you know, if anybody is so inclined, I would say don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, we're not going to learn a damn thing, uh, you know, unless, unless this happens, uh, unless, you know, unless a few people are, you know, go, go climbing up Everest. Yeah, or but again, I, I mean, I can't. I honestly, honest to God, I cannot. I'm. I know I will not sleep tonight because I'll be worried about this. But I cannot emphasize it enough. I would not do this. You yeah. know, I'm not kidding. I'm not just like 
It's probably why I haven't walked out there and started doing this yet. I got too much to do to to have have my life fall apart. Like if you like your life and if you like how things are, I mean, I'm serious. It will dismantle your life. Uh, if it's if it doesn't, you're not doing it right. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. the truth. If you have a life and you're happy and everything's great, you're you're not you're never going to see anything because it's not going to work because you're not doing it right. Yeah, you know. Uh, if your life falls apart and you lose everything uh, and your life becomes a mess and you're you know, emotionally fraught with fear and seeing weird things and other people see and you lose all your friends because they can't take being around people who have bursts of light in their living room, you know, you're probably on the right track. Congratulations. Your yeah. life is over, you know, <laughs> until you can until you can pull yourself out of it. You know, that's why I so I so. I'm glad that the that the notion of uh, writing it and writing it out. I'm so glad that that I completely stumped because I'm no writer, but I stumbled upon the notion of drowning because that's just exactly it's the perfect analogy. The pretty fish are under the water. You can see them, but you're only getting fleeting glimpses because you're not under the water with them. So then you stick yeah. your head in the water, you open your eyes, and you see these beautiful things that. You can only see these shimmering warriors from another world, you know, and there they are. And while you're gazing at them with just such all of their beauty, you're drowning. Right. And then you realize that you can't avert your gaze and you're gasping. And the next thing you know, you know, if somebody doesn't pull you out, you're going to be floating. <laughs> so it's very much like that. Um, so it's, uh, you know. I think I think if there's any routine injected into it, again, you're going to fail. Yeah. Um, I'm going out every night at nine o'clock. Well, there's your first problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's okay, routine. I thought you the first time you were on, you said do this, you know, do this every night at the same time. But that sounds like it's yeah, injecting uh, uh, routine into something. Routine. It's hard to be out of routine when you think about it. It Jeff, really is. The listener listener Jeff says, if my life becomes a mess, I'm blaming Jeff and Greg. <laughs> I wrote, oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, <laughs> no it's, it's just, you know, um, but if you do do it and you can get a hold of yourself to, to, to walk away from it, and I think that's literally what you have to do. You have to turn your back on it. And I'll tell you what I did that, that kind of put the linchpin in again <laughs> was uh, I denied it. I, I – I would say things like, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Didn't happen. That was all just nonsense. I, you know, forget that. I did, that didn't happen. You know, like, and if you tell yourself that enough, you will start to believe it. You know, read skeptic documents. Those are great for sealing the door back up. <laughs> I kid you not. You know, I mean, read them because they'll make you, they'll give you an alternative way to look at it. Yeah. And, and at that's that all point, you, need. you, yeah. And at that point, you might want that. You know, you might if turn you into a blazing skeptic for a while. Yeah, if you can duck out that door, then then you can pretty much, you know, go back to like I'm. I am right now, literally taking a break from all this stuff because I can't. I can't. I can't do it to the frequency everybody else can. I just can't. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm doing a painting right now that I'm getting ready to submit on Monday, and I haven't even put brush to canvas yet and you know and that's what i'm doing and i'm into that um you know i watched tom's thing today and i'm here tonight on this but after i get up from here i'm 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 going to paint <laughs> you know so 
Go do something you, else. You must do something else. You must occupy your mind with something else. Yes. And deny it. Deny it to yourself. Deny it to whatever yeah. degree you have to. And that, I don't know, it worked for me, but I'm not saying it'll work for everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like all a, of this is yeah. extremely speculative. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds like an obsessive type it will work a little bit better for. But the, coincidentally, the, the other side of that coin is that the obsessive type won't really be able to get out of it because that's their personality. Yeah. Um, Unless you can switch an obsession, like like you said, switch to skeptical literature or something. But that's that that you know. I think when you're in the middle of this and it's it's taken over your your life and your soul and your your thoughts, that it's that might be the hardest thing in the world. It might be harder than kicking you know uh, kicking cigarettes, you know. Yeah. Well, I I mean I can't uh, I can't walk away from it like I would like to. You know. I mean I'm 50 years old now and I've got things that I want to do. Yeah. And I just said to myself, you know, I told you this the other night, I, I got stuff I want to do. I don't have time for this anymore because there's no answer for this to me. Like I can I can see what surrounds it. And I can, you know, I see the, the shot all over the target and the target's right there and I can see where I shoot and it misses consistently. You know, but, and that's where it is. But I can't get there. I can see what is dotting around it. I can see this the shape of it. But I can't. That's about as close as I think I'm going to get. And yeah, I think that's that, about as close I, as anybody gets, really. Yeah. I think, and it's different you know, for everybody. It's a different target. It is. It is. And I, I think if I could say anything about if anybody is going to be foolish enough to undertake what, what I've kind of said, um, the the best that I think you could do with it is to ask those questions and say something along the lines of um, – uh, you know, be like the guy in Close Encounters holding up the, the sign, be friendly, right? <laughs> yeah. So go into it with this not I'm going to be scared to death, but go into this maybe with uh, the notion that, you know, um, a sweetness you're, looking, for, you're yeah. look, looking for a friend on the inside, you know, or, yeah. you're, or you're, you're willing to learn, you know. But I can tell you from I've learned a lot about myself, but I'll tell you it's a goddamn tough teacher. And uh, and you will learn stuff, but it won't be anything about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you think you're going to get the brass ring, you might as well abandon that right now. It's not about that. No, you no, no. It's, it's about you. About something else. It, it will be about you. Yeah. You will learn what you fear. You will learn a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. And I think maybe that, you know, that's good enough for me right now to say that's what it. it that's what this is. This is it's forcing us into, um, you know, like, uh, MJ asked me the other day to write down what I thought ufology was, you know, what, why, why it mattered. Mm-hmm. And the, the gist of what I wrote back to him was Is that, it you know, it, it, that I don't know that it does, but that the very pursuit of it, um, forces people to look at avenues of science or theory or whatever that they would normally not interface with at all. Right. But it takes you into these spots, and instantly you're more than what you were before. So I wonder if that's not what's important. I don't know, but it, I, I, I like the way that sits for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. There you are. Uh, speaking of um, breaking um, routine, I've, uh, I've got to go make dinner. <laughs> well, well, you go do that, Greg. Uh, otherwise we'll obsess and keep going on this for three hours and, um, shit and I'll start. have stuff in the room. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah, <laughs> I won't have anything in here, but you'll have stuff in the room. Right. Yeah. All right. You 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 um you did address this right at the end here, and with the appropriate uh, uh, caveats, and also uh, the uh, the uh, completely not cut and dried nature of it. It is not at all, and not in the way that no. people would think it is. And I think it's for a a specific kind of person to want to do this, not not just anybody. And I I would hope those people know who they are. I I don't know if I'm that person. Maybe I'm not, but I I'm, I'm vitally interested in in hearing what you had to say about it. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it goes without saying. And the last point here is you don't you don't want to involve children in this. Like this is not that you don't want to do that. I I know it. It's stupid to even have to say such a thing. But in today's world, I feel like I have to say such a thing. You know, if don't take kids with you, like that's not. You don't want to do that. Um, you know, this is for big boys and girls who decide their life doesn't matter unless they have a UFO event. So, you know, and uh, and again, I can't stress it enough. You know, probably best not to do it. Probably yeah. best to listen to other people who've already done it and kind of got out the other side of it and kind of like, can you can you structure some event on your own? Like, don't listen to me. Take take what I say and and try something on your own. Yeah, create your that, own that, thing and and maybe yeah. you can do something that's oblique enough that it doesn't screw your life over. Maybe I'm not saying it it has to be this way. It's just this was my experience and the experience of a lot of people yeah. I knew. So I think oblique is a very important word in this subject that should yeah. be uh, should should be uh, kept in mind. Yeah. So there it is. That's that's what I know. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly you. what I wanted to find out. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk again soon about other stuff as long as, as, long as we're not obsessing. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a good banishing song now that will uh, 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 stop this uh, for a little while? <laughs> uh, you get to pick a song. I, Guest always picks this, the last song. Uh, any song or? Yes. Well, any song. I mean, I, that was my suggestion, a banishing uh, type song, but anything you want. Seeing as I'm still getting over this, uh, Tom Petty's face in a crowd. Ah, yeah. Let me find. I I don't have very much Tom Petty here on on my thing, but through the, <laughs> through the magic of um, what's it called? The internets. Yeah, the magic of the face in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the magic of the internets. We have Tom Petty with face in the crowd, and thank you so much, uh, uh, Jeff. And uh, we'll thank talk you, again Greg. soon. Always we'll great to talk to you. I mean, it's 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 always an inspiration. And, oh, uh, we find out. Yeah, I find out new things everything every time we talk. That's great. All right, thanks. And here's uh, face in the crowd, Tom Petty, and talk to you soon, there, Jeff. Talk to you soon. All right.
out of the sky Into my heart Into my life And you were just A face in the crowd You were just in the crowd 